Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Currently, we have three tiers of support, the fan level at $3 per month, the supporter level at $7 per month, and the champion level at $20 per month. Benefits of joining the Tennis IQ podcast community include episode transcripts, participation in book club discussions, and access to monthly masterclasses with me and Josh. For more on these benefits of support, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And today, Josh and I are going to talk about tennis as a team sport. Um, now, obviously, tennis is an individual sport, or at least it's classified that way. But we want to bring some perhaps different perspectives for looking at tennis that seeing it as a team sport may be beneficial to your training, to your learning, and to your improvement. And one of the things that made me think about this is, um, for some reason, it came to mind, uh, an athlete that I worked with about maybe seven, eight years ago, she was a young athlete, maybe 15, 16, and she was on the Olympic Luge D team. So she was uh, really on the development team, and her, her eventual goal was to make the actual Olympic team to compete at, at a Winter Olympics. And she was telling me that uh, the U.S. Olympic team was shifting their training model from one that was very individually based in which, uh, you know, a particular luge athlete would work with their coach and they were more or less work in isolation. They just kind of do their thing and other luge athletes would be there, but there would not be a lot of um, interaction or, or camaraderie. And the U.S. Olympic team decided to change that model and have them start training together. And at first, she noted that there was some resistance, especially from those who had been in the program for some time, because it's a big change. Um, But then the and the idea, the reason they changed to this is other countries were running their trainings as teams and they were having more success than the U.S. Olympic team. So, you know. Kudos to them for being open to changing that. And so the idea was that, yes, you are all individuals. You are all competing against each other. But by combining our efforts, is it possible that we can all make each other better? And and so that was the overall goal. And, you know, over the last six or seven years, Josh, I've seen this philosophy start to be espoused by academy directors, at least in the, in the Boston area. Um, you know, I can think of a, of a couple of, uh, of directors who specifically talk about the idea of, you know, your effort level, your intensity level matters not only to you, but to the person on the other side of the court or the person next to you on the court. Um, you know, and it, so I think we can look at this, the first part of this team training, Josh, at the academy level, a high school team a college team, an adult league team, because they're all slightly different, 
But I think, you know, the, the benefits of training as a team can be realized in all of those, in all of those environments. So, you know, you've been a college coach, you've obviously come up through the junior ranks and, and trained, maybe not specifically in an academy environment, but certainly, you know, an environment with clinics where you probably had a lot of the same kids, et cetera. So I'd love to get, you know, hear your experience and your thoughts on this idea of training as a team. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an important question. Um, yeah. In terms of my personal experience, I didn't necessarily come up through an academy like, you know, so many kids do these days, but, um, you know, did definitely train with a lot of the same people and never necessarily felt that that was the main priority, you know, the main thing that was prioritized in terms of training as a team and competing in that way. I did participate in junior team tennis, and then I played for my high school team and college team. Um, but I, I would say within my training itself, you know, at, at different tennis clubs, that wasn't necessarily the priority. Um, and I think that has shifted in a certain way, especially in the academy format where that is, um, yeah, now much more the priority or, or much more discussed. Um, so yeah, I, I think from a personal standpoint, that's, um, that, that, that's been my experience, but, but yeah, in, in terms of coaching, I think that's definitely something that, that we tried to prioritize at the college level at Sacred Heart. But, um, yeah, I, I think is, you know, th- there's a lot of benefits to, um, training as a team, right? We can, people can make each other better. People can, um, you know, help each other notice and be aware of different aspects of their game, whether that's technical, strategic, mental, whatever that may be. Um, you know, maybe players don't always want to hear something from a coach necessarily. And maybe sometimes hearing something from a peer or from a teammate can actually be a little bit easier. Um, and there's all sorts of different types of teams, right? There's high school, there's college, you know, I, I know, yeah, there's obviously USTA league teams. There's, you know, we talked about junior team tennis, there's teams within academies. Um, and I think, yeah, that among the benefits, you know, are that people can help each other improve. People can help each other see different aspects of each other's game. And I think just being able to sort of see, see peers as, you know, as teammates or as sort of resources to help you rather than as opponents or enemies or anything like that, I think is a really key difference where, you know, ultimately remembering why you're there in the first place. And I think this is true in, you know, when we think of things as a team or, or even in an individual level, but remembering that, that you're there to get better, you're there to improve, you're there to get better. And that that really is the goal rather than it being all about winning. And I think sometimes when it becomes all about winning, that people lose sight of, you know, I'm trying to improve, trying to become the best player that I can be. It becomes too much about just, you know, just finding a way to, to win rather than, you know, I'm actively trying to improve my game here. And that's why I'm here in the first place. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here in the first place. And I think that highlights one of the barriers to adopting the model uh, on the part of a player or a parent, (coughs) excuse me, are those ego concerns about the winning. I had a situation a few years ago where I was working with three young women who all trained at the same academy and they're all rivals. They were all kind of striving to be number one. And I remember one parent approaching me saying, are you giving these other players information about my daughter so they can beat her? I was like, I mean, of course not. 
I'm not doing that. But I said, let me, let me change your perspective a little bit on this. Um, if your daughter's rivals become better players and she has to challenge herself by playing better players, doesn't that make your daughter better? Aren't, isn't that really the goal here is to become the best player she can be? Not just simply to beat these other two kids. And, you know, so it's natural, I think, that, you know, that you want the wins, you want the ego kind of satisfying types of things going on. But that really becomes a barrier to becoming your best. And if we can change it, and you brought up the idea of looking at people at your academy or even on your team, not as adversaries, not as opponents, but your partners. And that's really what true competition is. We look at the, the Latin roots of competition, and it means to strive for with. Not against, with, right? So if you and I are playing a, a, on a tennis court, Josh, together, we're actually creating a performance. Hopefully, it's high quality. Yeah, so we, we, we try to do that. But if it's just me and there's nobody on the other side of the net... I, that's boring. I'm not striving for anything now with anybody, right? I need you on that other side of the net. I need you to challenge me. I need you to, to push me. That's the only way I'm going to get better. And so you can look at the people in your, on your teams, whether that's an academy team, a high school team, college team, adult league team, as they're there in this environment to help you become the best that you can become. And those challenges present themselves in many different ways. I was talking to an adult player the other day and she was mentioning how her team practices aren't that good. You know, a lot of the players, they like miss every third ball. And, and I was like, well, let's just say, let's just accept that as being the norm. What could you work on there? Could you have, could you just be focused on your footwork? Could you focus on your balance? There's always something you can get out of the practice. And that other person, they're providing you with a challenge. It's not personal that they can't make every third ball, but they're providing you with a challenge. And so I think if we can see this kind of team training, group training as a means of helping me to get better, it can be a, a, a much better way to look at the practices and the clinics, um, you know, challenge matches, practice matches, we can look at it a whole different light. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and recognizing, yeah, that there's always something we can, you know, we can, we can improve from every person we, you know, we can improve from every practice situation, right? Whether that's someone that we deem to be at our level or above or below, there's always things that we can improve on, right? If, if you're playing with that person that, that does miss every third ball, Okay, can maybe this is a chance for you to work on your own consistency and try to see, okay, you know, I know my opponent maybe misses more. I want to see if I can make sure that my opponent is the one missing. I'm not going to have any sloppy errors of my own. I'm really going to move my feet. I'm really going to try to track the ball all the way to my my strings, try to really fix my my gaze on, you know, that point of contact. Um, I'm going to really try to make sure that my own consistency is as is at a high of level as possible um, in this situation. Or maybe I'm playing a player that I, that's weaker and I want to work on coming into net more. 
right? Maybe I'll have more opportunities to come into net more. Um, or maybe you're playing against a, a stronger player or a more experienced player or whatever the situation, but just seeing these as opportunities rather than, you know, rather than constantly thinking just about, you know, peers being competition, competition, or maybe a threat to you. I think I, I, I often see this within, you know, within teams where things are ranked, right? Whether that's high school or college or other teams where there's, you know, number one singles and number two and three and et cetera, singles and doubles. And there's often, you know, there often is a lot of inter-team competition, which sometimes can, can you know, lead to maybe animosity or or more negative things like that. Um, and I think, you know, understanding why we're here in the first place, we're here to get better. We're here to try to help the team, right? It's not just a bunch of individuals. It, it really is a team. And I think this is, this can be a challenge for tennis players because I think people tend to grow up in this format where it does tend to be about them and they are the center of attention, you know, within the performance team, you know, they have people like whether that's parents or coaches or, you know, other people that are, and they're kind of at the center of it and they go to a tournament and it's all about their results and then all of a sudden they play high school tennis. So they play in college or they're playing for this USTA league team for the first time. And it's not all about them. You know, you can win or lose your match. You know, you could lose your match and your team could still win or vice versa. Right. And I, I know I can think of specific examples of players who lost. You know, this is both when I was playing at different levels and, and coaching at different levels. But I can think of examples of players who lost their match while the team won and they're upset and they're around a bunch of teammates who were excited because their team won that match and they're upset because of the result of their match, which I think in a certain way is normal, right? Like we've been trained to, you know, care about our own result. But I think it's, you know, in that moment, is that really the response that we want? Is that, you know, do we want to be so focused on our own result in that moment? Or do we want to be able to put that aside and celebrate and enjoy the team result and and understand that, you know, okay, maybe you didn't win your match today at whatever position you're playing, but the team won and you had a role in that. You helped your teammates practice. You helped cheer on your teammates. You maybe helped teammates with the strategic aspect, you know, so often, um, tennis circles are relatively small, right? So maybe in a high school or college environment, you know, the team played that team the year before, or maybe even earlier that season in different tournaments or things like that. And yeah, maybe there's a discussion that takes place. Oh, I played this person last year or I played this person six months ago. You know, they have a weak second serve, you know, that's a, a great opportunity to attack or, you know, their, their backhand is weaker or whatever it is. So, you know, just understanding that within that team, each person plays a role and not getting so carried away in in your own, you know, winning and losing, but trying to do whatever possible to help the team. And obviously one of those things is trying to, you know, do your absolute best to win the match, but just understanding that there's a lot more to it than just that. I think another, maybe this is the last angle I'll take on this is that, there's also an opportunity to make your teammates better. So I, I think back to it, and you know who this guy is. So at Bryant, we had a player several years ago named Matt Kuhar. Matt was the best player Bryant University 
has ever had. He played one as a freshman and all the way through his his senior year, uh, and he did a fifth year. Um, and he had an incredible record in the conference. And one of the challenges that you know we as coaches threw out to Matt was make your teammates better, play them in practice. Um, because yeah, he didn't hardly ever lost to anybody on the team, but by challenging them in practice, the rest of the guys got better. Their level increased because Matt pushed them more, and Matt took on that role. Uh, I also see this as an opportunity for you know maybe some of the older players at an academy to take on the role of helping the younger players be better, and that's not only tennis wise but set an example for how one should behave. What's the culture of our academy? What, what do we stand for? And as maybe a 16, 17, 18-year-old, can you be out there as the role model and showing the younger kids how it should be done so that they get into that role and then they show the next generation themselves? Um, and I think that that's a cool part of, of academy or team culture that can happen at all of these levels high school, college, academies, you want to try to leave where you were better than the way you found it. And if you can also make part of your mission helping others to be better, that's going to be remembered for a long time. So I I can think of several players here in the New England area who were really good at that, really good at showing others how to to train, how to behave, uh, how to be a leader, how to be a captain. And so I would just throw that out as sort of my last wrinkle on the, you know, the training as a team piece. Absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of research that shows that when, when people teach others and instruct others, and, you know, that could be the senior on the team working with the freshman or the number one player working with, you know, the number four singles player or whatever it may be, um, that 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 person improves right and there's and there's you know different different research about this there's different quotes about it um from you know different people throughout history but when when you are able to not just understand how to do it yourself but understand how to teach it and understand how to help somebody else with it that that's a different level of understanding that's a different level of understanding, and that leads to you know not just you helping that person, but you're helping yourself in a certain way. You're helping yourself really understand the sport or that aspect of whatever you're trying to teach them. And I I can think of this for myself too. I think when I started coaching, I think it absolutely helped my game. I think I just my understanding of the sport, my understanding of you know how to convey my message, but but more so some of these different aspects. You know whether it be something technical or strategic. You know, if I couldn't explain it to somebody else, I think I didn't necessarily understand it as well as I wanted to. So I think, you know, within that team environment, there's opportunities to help each other, to coach each other, to, you know, give each other advice. And I think that that's mutually beneficial. So let's transition now to another aspect of tennis as a team sport. And this is one that we certainly see more of at the professional level, which is the understanding of a performance team and that there are, you know, different roles in the team. So uh, I want to give you, Josh, the opportunity to talk about this one first. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I touched on this just a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, I think within, certainly within professional tennis, but we also see this, you know, often within junior tennis, you know, sometimes adult 
um, you know, adult tennis as well um, at the club level, um, we see the, this performance team. We see the player who is surrounded by different aspect, different aspects of their team, right? And that could be the coach. That could be the sports psychology professional. That could be, um, you know, the nutritionist. That could be the parent. That could be, you know, some of these different members of the performance team. And I think there's there's different things that are important here. I think, you know, understanding each person, understanding their role and their piece of the puzzle. And I think sometimes that can get out of sync a little bit where maybe one person, you know, maybe it's the parent, maybe it's the coach, maybe, I don't know, I maybe vies for more power or vies for more influence or tries to really change things and maybe steps outside of that role in a certain way. Um, but I think just understanding your own role in that is really important. And I think, yeah, that can provide a nice, um, yeah, sort of a nice foundation for a player where, you know, when they go into a match or they go into a tournament, they're not out there alone. They they have that team and, you know, and different people on that team can help get them ready for that match, help them prepare in, in all different ways, right? There's the sports psychology piece. There's the strength and conditioning piece. There's the nutrition piece. There's the tactical strategic piece. You know, there's the just parental support piece. There are all these different pieces that all fit into that player's success. So ultimately, whether they win or lose, it doesn't just come down to that player that's actually playing the match. It it really relates to the whole team as a whole. And I think while we might see the most obvious example with professional players, this really can carry through to all levels of the game. You know, I'll, I'll just take myself as an example. When I was playing a lot of national tournaments, you know, I trained with a coach. I had a nutrition coach. I worked with somebody on my fitness. So I saw maybe a personal trainer a couple times a week and then did some things on my own. Um, I had a massage therapist I would go see. Um, you know, nowadays I, I work with a stretch therapist. Um, these people are a part of my team. Now, there's not like they're salaried or anything, um, but they are all interested in, you know, me as an athlete and, you know, me becoming the best that I can be. So, you know, whenever I had um, results or tournaments that I would play, I would share, you know, my experiences with everybody on the performance team so that we could all learn and get better. Um, it, of course, was different that they're not attending matches, right? So that's, it, that that isn't exactly the model um, where you would see like with the pros. But we all have performance teams. We all have a support system around us. And one of the reasons I think this is important, Josh, and we, we talked about this in our episode about the gold medal profile with uh, Natalie Dranbush and Mishi Papich. Um, we talked about this in our episode about lifestyle challenges for professional players is that social support system is super important with respect to the mental health of the athlete and mental health of the athlete is a component of mental performance, right? Mental health has to be at a certain place in order for you to perform, to perform well. So not only do people on the performance team have specific roles, you know, and your role may be the player. You're the one who goes out there and does the stuff. But all those other people, your coach, your practice partners as well. I didn't even mention that. 
um, yeah, you're different, you know, physiotherapists, et cetera, sports psychology professional. They're all, they all have a role to play there. Uh, family, loved ones, parents, whatever. Um, and so it's super important, I think, to see a community, a team around you of people who care about what you're doing. And you may, you know, as I'm talking, you may say, well, I don't work with this kind of person or that kind of person. Maybe you should consider working with some of these people, given, you know, depending on what your goals are, depending on, you know, your time and your commitment, etc. Um, most everybody probably works with some sort of coach or pro. Maybe it's only in clinics or whatever. But, you know, introducing, you know, some other things could really help you to become your best. But also it gives you another person that is invested in, in you becoming the best player that you can become. And they'll play their role on that team. Um, and so, you know, I know sometimes finances and budget are also concerns with respect to bringing on a lot of people on your team. But it also comes down to how important is it to you. You know, if it's important, you'll pay for it. If it's not, that's fine. Um, but just something to throw out there, Josh, as, uh, as an important aspect of not only maintaining your body as an asset and, and what you're doing, but also your mental health. It's, it's absolutely critical. And I think it's, you know, something like that is, is really the, it's, it's a foundational piece where if, if that is out of sync or not in the best point, you know, at a, at a particular moment, then, you know, other things start to crumble, right? The, your sleep starts to crumble or your strength and conditioning or, you know, injuries can happen or, you know, when you're in key moments of a match, it, it can be tougher to, to handle that. So I think, yeah, making sure that a, a player is really looking after themselves, you know, mentally, and also, you know, really looking after their health in different ways, right? Making sure they're getting enough sleep, making sure their nutrition is where they want it to be, you know, their hydration, some of these different pieces. And I think, you know, different members of the performance team can can certainly help with that, right? If we think about a junior player, you know, the parents certainly have a an important role they can play in terms of sleep and nutrition and hydration and, and just, you know, helping the player with their schedule. Yeah. And Managing sort of the schedule big. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, aligning things with their life to, to best fit, to best fit their goals. Right. And those goals can relate to performance, but those goals can, can, you know, relate to um, ultimately trying to be the best player in person that they can ultimately be. And I think each member of the performance team can, can play an important, an important role there um, in, in helping to sort of navigate that, that journey, navigate that the ups and downs, handle those ups and downs, keep things in perspective. Um, and yeah, help a player also maybe set, set goals for their future. And I think different people of the performance team can, can be influential here, but, you know, if we think about, you know, for instance, the USTA has their development plan that can be, you know, downloaded online. Um, but yeah, as, as you look ahead, you know, let's say three months or maybe it's longer, um, you know, I think different members of that team can be involved in that process. Certainly a coach and a parent, um, the player themselves, you know, maybe it's, yeah, the sports psychology professional, different, different members of the team can help to facilitate, help to give input into, you know, where is that player now? 
what are certain strengths and weaknesses and where what are some goals in terms of where where they see themselves going or where they strive to go in in upcoming months and years for sure yeah so um yeah consider creating uh, a performance team around you and you may already have one just sort of by default and haven't been looking at it that way per se but uh, i think the more that you do the more success you'll have as a player um i think the third um and perhaps last way of looking at tennis as a team sport is one of um looking at the tennis community and and maybe giving back to the sport of tennis contributing to tennis i i find that this is something that i hear from a lot of my, you know, adult clients that they really appreciate how important tennis has been in their life and they want to now do something to either share that with others or to give back to the sport. And um, I think it's, you know, one that not everybody necessarily thinks of, but um, can be a tremendous service opportunity and purpose opportunity when you know we we just recently are have an episode with ryan redondo coming out soon and we talk a bit about purpose that he's got um with tennis in 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 san diego uh we've talked to others about their purpose um and and you know giving back to the tennis community can be a really rewarding thing to do and again now you're not just looking at it at yourself you're looking at tennis as this sort of bigger thing that many of us have in common. And, you know, and, and the sport and the environments that we've been in have helped shape who we are as people. And can we use, can we think about volunteering or doing something service-wise in tennis that can help do that for players who are coming up now? So I'm curious, Josh, about your thoughts on, you know, the tennis community as a, as a team, you know, view of the sport. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a, a different angle that that's definitely important to, to explore more. And I think you and I, Brian, are both, you know, obviously grew up playing tennis, you know, played a lot throughout our lives and have, have looked to stay involved in that, right. Through coaching, through, you know, working with athletes on the sports psychology side um, you know, through being involved in different committees and different things like that, where we can impact the sport and, you know, both the community and coaches in different ways. Um, and I think it's really important. I think it's important to, yeah, to look for ways to give back, to look for ways to stay involved in, in a sport and, and, um, yeah. And I think, you know, being able to view that as a team and think about, you know, sort of the community at large as a, you know, as a team, as a group of people that are really on, that really have shared goals, right? They they have shared goals. There's a shared mission here of trying to grow the sport, of trying to help improve the sport, of trying to, um, yeah, of trying to make sure that, you know, people today and people in the future will have a better tennis experience than maybe those in the past. And, you know, using your own experiences to try to help in that way, right? Thinking about what went well or didn't go as well for you. You know, I think I, and I, one example would be, you know, in when I was living in New England, you know, we were both 
you know, started the the sports psychology committee within USPTA, within the, the coaching organization. Um, and I think that was a nice, you know, really nice opportunity to, you know, to, to, to help, to help different coaches within New England, um, you know, learn about sports psychology techniques, you know, implement different tools that they could, that they could utilize, you know, we, through this is through different events and through different types of things. But I think, you know, things like that are, are nice opportunities to, you know, use your expertise, use your background to, to help others. Right. And, um, and I think that's great. And I think that's, you know, it's like we talked about with maybe high school teams, college teams, USTA teams, it's easy to see other, it's easy to see peers as competitors, right. Especially something like maybe coaching where it's like, Oh, it can, it can feel maybe like a zero sum game in certain ways where it's like, you know, either I'm working with this, student or this client or somebody else's, but it it certainly doesn't have to be that way. You know, trying to view people as being on the same team with that shared mission of growing the sport of, you know, improving coaching methods of things like that. um, I think really improves our outlook and, you know, makes it so that everybody improves. We, you know, there's just a, a rising tide in that way where everybody is on the same page. Everyone is working to help each other people view this larger community as a team and, you know, with that sort of shared mission rather than it being sort of everybody out there for themselves. Yeah. So very much more purpose-based than, than ego based. And, you know, obviously we can probably just speak mostly from a U.S. perspective here, but there are many opportunities to, to serve your community. There might be community tennis associations where you live, certainly uh, your section of the USTA. And I'm sure other countries have very similar structures. Um, But I know just like here in New England, um, you can volunteer for different committees that you can participate on that that hopefully help the game grow and help others be better. Um, You can participate at a national level if that's what you want to do. you know, and so, you know, you, you mentioned the USPTA and, what, you know, some of the stuff that we did there. Um, you know, I've done some things at the USTA level, but also just in the, the city I live in. There's uh, a really cool organization called Friends of Newton Tennis. And this particular city has about 67 public courts. And the Friends organization is about maintaining those courts and promoting the game just within the city. And just in the last few years really all credit to our president, Tom Friedman. Uh, we've done some really cool work. We've raised a lot of money over the last three years. I want to say almost like $60,000 just for maintaining courts, right? And it's really powerful. And it's really cool, Josh, to see like, all right, these courts have been resurfaced and now they're like US Open quality level courts. And um, what an opportunity for people to go out and play on these public courts where they don't have to, Hey, right? You just walk on, and now you're playing on courts that are as good as any courts in the entire country. So there are lots of opportunities, I think, to to look around at what's going on in your tennis community, and and see ways that perhaps, again, if you have the time and the inclination, to help others in this process. Um, I was telling the story, Josh, yesterday of Andre Agassi, you know, and the one he discusses in his book open about, you know, him adopting more of a purpose-based 
perspective on tennis because, you know, growing up and through the first half of his professional career, he did not like tennis, maybe even hated it. But then when he started to think about creating that charter school in Las Vegas, it gave his his career and his his playing much more of a purpose out there. And and that was a cleaner sense of motivation, cleaner kind of fuel to burn. And I think um, when we when we look at doing some service opportunities through the game um, in in various ways, and you can even start them yourself. Um, I know that uh, some of the academy kids a few years ago around here actually started their own little effort to work with, I think, some country in Africa and help them begin a tennis program. Uh, you know, a friend of mine from Montreal does some work with uh, Tennis Uganda. Uh, he had some experience there post-college, and now he still interfaces with them and, and brings tennis to the kids who live in Uganda. So there are lots of things you can do, um, you know, with this whole idea of contributing to a community. Absolutely. And there's, yeah, there, there are certainly plenty of opportunities out there. I know, you know, Boulder, Colorado, where I live, there's a, you know, really sizable and, um, and significant, um, wheel, wheelchair tennis, uh, program, which is, which is really cool. And, and I see it at, at the, um, at the club where I play at and, um, you know, and, and there's, um, I, I could think about, you know, where I grew up in Connecticut, there are, um, there's Norwalk grassroots tennis. There, there, there's a number of different opportunities to get involved, to help, to, you know, to, to be a part of that team and to be, you know, an important member of sort of their performance team, right. And to think about how you can contribute, how you can help with your skill set. So I think that's, um, yeah, you know, w- within any community, you know, you can, do a little digging, do a little research and find that there, there are a lot of opportunities to get involved and to, yeah, to, to make a difference as being a part of that team within that community. Um, and I think it, it can be very fulfilling, right? It can, you know, certainly you're helping others, but I think it can be beneficial for you too. I think it can be, you know, as we talked about sort of the, you know, by contributing, by teaching, you know, you, you help yourself. You you understand the sport better, and I think it, yeah, for you know many people feel that you know through taking part in things like this, it can be very you know personally fulfilling as well. Agreed. You know, and I think that is that's a good reason to do it as well. You can help others, but you're also helping yourself in 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 different ways. So, well, I think that's our show for today. It's a good topic. Thank you for the conversation, Josh, and thank you all for listening. For more on today's episode, please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for the two of us, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the content that Josh and I discuss on the show, please rate and review the podcast so other tennis enthusiasts can find it more easily. Additionally, to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube. You can also check us out on Instagram. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership, where you can learn about the benefits of being part of the Tennis IQ podcast community. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.